There is a war between the rich and poor, a war between the man and the woman. There is a war between the ones who say there is a war and the ones who say that there isn't. Why don't you come on back to the war? That's right, get in it. Why don't you come on back to the war? It's just beginning. Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Pelias for the second podcast of Prosperity Marxism, a show we hope is bi-weekly in the very near future, produced and um, and brought to you by the Institute for the Radical Imagination. Uh, tonight, I'm joined by comrade Peter Bratzis, a member of the Institute for the Radical Imagination and a professor at BMCC, a collective member also on the journal Situations Project of the Radical Imagination. And we're going to be speaking about prosperity Marxism um, and how to conceptualize it. It's, this is definitely a work in process, but something we think is very, very important to confront the tendencies towards Marxism always reaching out to only the impoverished classes, or only talking about the poor, or only speaking about the ideologies of economic determinism, uh, subjected only to the reading of capital and the critique so we're really trying to do something different here, both conceptually and practically, and uh, we're going to start tonight with a, a discussion about that. So I want to welcome my good friend, uh, Peter Bratzis, and you want to say a couple of words, and then we'll talk about how prosperity well, I, Marxism starts. I guess, yeah. yes, what we're discussing today is how we came up with the title, Prosperity Marxism, because in the first podcast we had, where we discussed the problem of labor, or the labor question as a fundamental issue that underpins uh, many contemporary uh, uh, topics. We put it out under the label Prosperity Marxism, then we got many comments about the title, what the name refers to. Yes. People are trying to read into it, of course, many things, some correctly, some incorrectly. Yes. But, so today is an explanation of what we mean by the term Prosperity right. Marxism, right. how we came up with it and so mm -hmm. forth. Okay. And the initial inspiration was as a response to the prosperity gospel. Yes. As we know, this is now a, a, a very important and key uh, uh, dimension of, of, of Christianity. Uh, the idea that somewhere in the Bible, there are the secrets towards wealth and prosperity. Well, certainly the, you their send leader. The check, yes, and <laughs> yes. if you send the check, Forty-nine ninety-five P.O. Right. Box, wherever right. exactly. you know, you can be have access. Right. So my idea was, well, yeah. it's much more plausible that if you read the texts of Marx, you will find the the uh, secrets towards making money and capitalism. <laughs> so we should we should be the ones right. marketing, right. you know, prosperity Marxism right. and send Absolutely. us a check. So we're we're not we're not knocking on heaven's door. In other words, we're knocking on the earth's well, door it's a, it's, in the here and now. It's a much Heaven more on earth, it's a much more it plausible kind of argument yes. that Indeed. in the texts of Marx or Marxism, right. there is the secrets for unlocking 
the you know secrets of capitalism let's right. say as opposed to if you read Leviticus very well you'll discover or you know whatever the the arguments are of the Christians right. so uh, I think we have the stronger argument we should charge more money than as we uh, we should absolutely and also I just want to add for the students listening you know certainly in the Bible there is a, a debt jubilee which the prosperity Christians yes or prosperity gospel does not mention oh, they because skip over it's a big point. business they skip over that one so, well, you know, for our student, we're we're totally for debt jubilee, you know. This why is only what, for the students? For no, well, yeah, for everybody yeah. a debt jubilee, yeah, but yeah. for a student debt jubilee, yeah. to be more specific, yes, yes, for everybody. Debt and the jubilee. mortgages, too. Mortgage, oh, of course. Yeah. Mortgage means to gauge one's death. Yeah. Yes. And prosperity Marxism was about living life to the fullest, yes, sure. so we don't have that. Anyway, I'm going to uh, But we're a, not sponsored by Citibank, is that correct? I hope not. No. <laughs> right. Not yet. Not yet, right, right. We're, we're waiting on that, yes, right, indeed, yeah. We're, so we're, that, that's one, yeah, one motivation, yeah, one obviously, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's a catchy title, you know, right. in its way. And secondly, it's also response to, as you mentioned before, uh, uh, the certain workerist and, uh, and, and conservative uh, uh, element of what today passes as left. You know, we have everything from... Uh, 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 I mean, the dogmas work, as our friend Paul Lafargue pointed out, well over you know 130 mm -hmm. or 40 years mm -hmm. ago, is still uh, uh, corrupting the the ethic of the left, and we have and, and you know there's little difference between much of the left and the fascist right well, on yes. some of these values. Right. The uh, the the whole concept, 19th century concept of dignity of work, was certainly not what Marx and Certainly, a son-in-law were not about no, this. No, no, no. They, they were, were against, about why work. They, they were, were really against, against work. They were ultimately. against work, and yeah, so yeah, was the yeah. working class. Fundamentally, yes. you know, they're trying to get the hell out of there. They're not celebrating work, uh, 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 by and large. And then we have organizations like, for example, the Working Family Party, which is a reactionary title. Just to entitled begin with. to begin Just entitled. With. Yes, right. Just entitled. And don't right. forget the slogan of the. Vichy French government, the Nazi French, yes. was work, family, motherland. Yes. You know, which is probably the working family party, if they had a slogan, would be same, the same. same, the thing. same. Yeah, so yeah, I think we have yeah. to, you know, so it's also an attack on workerism and and the the conservative character of groups that think they are on the left or, you know, purport to be on the left, but which have very right-wing uh, implications. right. right. Just for our viewers, maybe we'll take a step back uh, for our viewers and listeners, that um, the notion of uh, prosperity Marxism, at least philosophically, begins with Marx early on in his dissertation, which was on the difference between the Democritian and Epicurean theories of nature. And Epicurus was a philosopher, not a hedonist, but a thinker of pleasure. You know, he says, why have pain in life that really basically that life should be about pleasure, should be about being fulfilled, being, being, you know, actually developing to one's fullest potential, and built a whole movement about this. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Epicurus wrote as much or even more than Plato, but we lost most of his writings, or maybe they were burned. You know, the because Christians, of the, once maybe again, the, the Christians, Christians got again, a hold yes. of it uh, and took care yes. of it. Prosperity well, Gospel won that that won that round for yes. about eighteen hundred years or, or thereabouts. But anyway, um, 
So um, this goes back to a, a tradition of really what I, I would call sensuous rationality, that reason has this sensuous dimension to it. And this has also been forgotten by a lot of the Marxist tradition today. Um, the, the libidinal economy that's so present in everyday life, but it's now so, so repressed, so not talked about, you know, that we have this kind of new moralism that goes alongside the left and the Marxist tradition. That Marxism, in, in some ways in the United States, has become a, more of a moral argument than, a, than a, an argument for really a fulfilled full life. Yes. And this is very, very strange to my mind, because this certainly is not what Marx had in mind at all. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's devolving into this for many, many uh, years, uh, particularly since the, the counterculture of the 60s, you know, the 70s began to see this return, if you will, of the repressed, this return to a kind of moralism that... The virtue of yeah, suffering. Yes, the virtue of suffering. You must suffer in order to make something of yourself, the old Christian notions of ressentiment, you know? And, and in a way, I think what both we're, we're trying to do here through the Institute for the Radical Imagination, as well as in, you know, some of our collective projects, is to get away from this thinking that one must be suffer to be, be redeemed or saved. This is ridiculous to us. You know, this is totally ridiculous. And uh, that we, we really need to think, think way beyond that and think uh, beyond this kind of, if you will, almost a Judeo-Christian kind of Marxism that yeah. has been, you know, predominant. And, it, and it's not yeah. only Marxism that has been yeah. corrupted by, no. by these Christian values right. or these workerist values, right. let's say. It's also the bourgeoisie itself, you know, and, and it wasn't that long ago as Thorstein Veblen uh, documented, you know, right. for us, that the bourgeoisie at a certain point uh, based its status and its hierarchy on conspicuous consumption. Yes. You know, that uh, the idea was you make money and that money you use for the purposes of leisure. Right. You know, the theory. One of the great novels, of course, is The Great Gatsby. Yes, yes that's right. That's indicative of this that's during right. that period. Yeah. And there wasn't the, the idea that you have to justify accumulation by working, by being productive your whole life. Today, of course, we have just the opposite, you know, that the, the, the multi-billionaires even, which is much, much more money than even in the Gilded Age, of course, the very wealthy could even, uh, you know, aspire to, that even you have 100 billion or 150 billion or 60 billion or whatever the case may be, you never stop working, you know, you never stop working. So we have all of these stories of whether it's Leon Cooperman breaking down in tears on television, talking about, you know, how hard they had to work to make their money and how they're hard workers and they go to work every day and uh, horrible Elizabeth Warren wants to take away, you know, the, mon the, the money that they would otherwise, they're going to give it away anyway, yeah, so why, right, why, yeah. why, are you, why are you taking it from us? Yeah, the wicked witch from uh, Massachusetts. Right. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Or, of course, we have from... Uh, um, Omaha, the, the, Omaha, the oracle, yes, of, the oracle uh, of, of Omaha. Of Omaha, where, again, the, right. the, the line is, he goes to work every day, having a cheeseburger right, and a Coke right, for lunch. Right. You know, there's no high-end, you know. When I was growing up in the South, it was H.L. Hunt. The oil man, the right. billionaire, one of the first billionaires, he would bring his box lunch every day. He never went out to eat. Yes. 
you know. So they're no it's austerity and always would go. And of course, as we know, the hunt, the sons were the ones that lost big money in terms of trying to corner the silver market. Yeah. A big scandal in you know the 1970s. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah. you know, in a sense, of course, also even the the high bourgeoisie is equally afflicted by this disease yes. of the virtue of suffering, war, the dogma of work. You know, it's not only, of course, elements of the left, the liberal left, that try to glorify the suffering of workers right. and the virtues of, 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 of work go, as go, such. Yeah, going back to the libidinal economy, I think it would be important to look at, of course, are these people really taking pleasure in work? Or is this something so conditioned? Well, we don't care about we that. Don't, right? I, I know we don't, but I mean, in a sense, the question would be if you're actually going to be, you know, well, engaged in that kind of activity. Is there some kind of charge or pleasure narrowly that's going speaking, on? Narrowly yes, speaking, yes, right, it is what right. Lacan would call, of course, a jouissance or an enjoyment, yeah, right, which right. is the pleasure they get from denying themselves pleasure. So there's right. a certain satisfaction right. of people, whether it's Cooperman or... Uh, Bezos or, or Bezos. Warren Buffett or whoever, right. or you know the the working class American who gets the satisfaction from getting up every morning, mm -hmm. getting themselves to work, paying bills on time, and so forth. There is a satisf that that is certainly part of the liberal economy. There is a satisfaction that is derived from that. Of course, it is a from our standpoint, they could be much better off by shedding themselves of these dogmas and these illusions and uh, becoming a more fully developed human being rather than seeking some satisfaction from their suffering. Again, it's a very Christian, you know, as Nietzsche would say, is a, you know, a slave morality that is uh, in effect, you know, even of, of those who need not be slaves, they have well, so yeah, much money absolutely. that there's no possible well, even Weber, to spend Well, Weber, this drive for, you know, yes. more and more and more and more accumulation. You know that this is part of the Protestant. I think, I think. it's un-American. These people should be deported. That's the probably truth. true. You yeah, know, yeah. these people should you mean be deported. We should, just be we should start. Around, we should start. Yeah. You know, singing all the Warren time. Buffett and, number yeah, one. Right, you know, and right. work our way down from the yes, list. Yes, I understand. Of, I understand. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess to his credit, he hosts the uh, College World Series for baseball. That's about it. Right. <laughs> anyway. Or if you like Coca-Cola, I don't know what the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't Does he play he, golf? Do I don't know? think... I'm sure he plays golf. I don't know. That's where most of the deals are made, I, I would I would suspect, right? Steam... It used to be steam baths. Now it's the golf course, right? Downhill. Something like downhill. that, downhill. But going back to this notion of uh, prosperity, I mean, we're going to try to conceptualize this as best as possible as we go forward. Uh, certainly other people besides, you know, the Epicurean tradition, which plays out actually in the history of philosophical materialism from Epicurus all the way through Lucretius, one of the great poems on the nature of right. things that most people should read. And we're, we're actually coming out of this this tradition very much. much and we're so. currently offering a class on yeah. On ancient the pre, materialist, on, on materialist, yeah. pre-Socratics, not, not especially only ancient materialism, okay, right. but the pre-Socratics, yes, and the, but the ancient materialists are there as well. Okay, um, and um, um, but to go forward, I mean, this was re reappropriated both by Gassendi, you know, the Epicurean tradition, and Spinoza to a degree in the 17th century, and right. uh, and then of course by 
Ludwig Feuerbach, and uh, then of course Marx. And again, I, I think it's very important that we we continue to think through alongside this concept uh, the idea of sensuous ra- rationality. You know that the, the sensuous itself has been defeated through this kind of redundancy on Judeo-Christian, you know, notions of work, sure. worker, workerist mentalities, etc., and that this is part of maybe a liberating project in terms of uh, prosperity Marxism to 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 return to what Marx really said: we're prehistorical when it comes to the senses. We have not really begun to develop the senses. We really have not become human at this point. Fully human. Fully human. Yeah, we're still in process. We're still in process. And, and I think we should yeah. emphasize yeah. with the third yeah. dimension yeah. to the name prosperity Marxism, right. Right. which is, of course, an imminent critique of contemporary capitalism because yes. capitalism promises prosperity. Yes. And what we find, by and large, is just the opposite, as we noted before. Even those who are winners, as it were, in the game of capitalism are in a position where they are suffering, you know, much more, let's say, than they might like, let alone, of course, the working classes. So anyway, so we have today, and we had done a panel some months ago in historical materialism mm-hmm. under the guise of, well, we first introduced the, the idea of prosperity right. Marxism, and one of the examples I had, I had given was, of course, the problem of sleep, which today is a great luxury to sleep eight hours a day. And there are countless, you know, websites and books and uh, expert advice on how to sleep. So even to sleep for eight hours. So you have to relearn how to sleep. Yes. This is the amazing thing. And there's a great book, by the way, about how capitalism's final frontier in terms of stealing from us. Stealing our humanity is the theft of of sleep. And the book is called 24-7 by Jonathan Crary. Very, very good book about that begins with the study of the CIA who has invested in the Defense Department over a billion dollars into studying the White Sparrow because it can go seven days without sleep. Of course, this is, you know, military purposes. This is going to be used for military purposes. The new cyber soldier that needs no sleep. But this is going on in everyday life. Well, they life. try that already. The How Nazis, did... the Nazis used to give the soldiers methamphetamines to Absolutely. keep them up for days. Absolutely. At some point, it stops working. <laughs> Even Franz Fanon <laughs> was helping out the Algerian militants <laughs> in the uh, FLN uh, <laughs> during that period. So, so there's a lot, you know, that goes. Around. Obviously, you know, we've already discussed three dimensions uh, of, of prosperity Marxism, and I think the yes. third is very, very important right. in terms of an image. And we can go back, of critique. course, yeah. to our friend Picasso, who yeah. famously said, you know, I want to make a lot of money so I can live like a peasant. I want to. I want to be. I want <laughs> to be a rich like a man person. so I can live like a, <laughs> a poor person. Right, yes. So I can see the sun for what it really which is, is. Which is, which which is shows, a, a very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it shows a double paradox. That, that, Number right. one, that to live like a peasant of two, three hundred years ago, you have to be wealthy today. Right. You know, in many of the senses of having, let's say, good food to eat, having time, having control over your working day, these kinds of things. You need to have a lot of money. Sure. But secondly, that you have to be of that, uh, of that ideological bend as Picasso was. Because even the money, as we see with Warren Buffett and the others, is not enough. No. You need the money, no. plus you need to have the liberation from these, uh, the bourgeois uh, uh, glorification of work and productivity. And efficiency, for that matter. Absolutely. Because, again, yeah. one of the other one of our 
the people who motivate, who are inspired the the this idea of prosperity Marxism, uh, is of course George Bataille, right, and his notion of the accursed chair, yes, and the fact that according to to Bataille, and it's a very compelling argument. You know, we live in a world not of scarcity but of surplus. Yes, of excess. Excess. Of excess. Is the term yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of, you know, we yeah. have more yeah. than enough. We have more, more much than more than enough. Than enough. And yeah. in order to use, as one example, the the energy of the sun, by definition, out of necessity, one has to be wasteful. Yes. You can. The more efficient you are, in using the energy, let's say, the less capable of coming of, of of using it, well. You have to be wasteful. And we have a situation, of course, today where there is not enough waste. Things have become too efficient. Rather than these billionaires wasting their money in various ways and getting it back, let's say, in circulation, they stockpile it. They hide it. And as our friend, as you might remember, Costantinos Chukalas has pointed out, right. it's not a coincidence that contemporary the, these big... Uh, uh, capitalists today hide their money the same place that the pirates used to hide them. Absolutely. You know, Cayman Islands and so Absolutely. forth. We have a repetition, of and course, of the moment. It's been documented at least 15 to $20 trillion dollars yes. on, on offshore of course, accounts of that have absolutely no productive so it's use. So it's extremely, system. it's way right. too efficient. Right. We need a much more wasteful form of, to begin with capitalism, right. let's say, in order for it to become more sustainable, yeah. more uh, uh, viable. When you become so efficient, you don't waste enough of it, then you are on the road to disaster. Yeah. We could maybe in the future, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of riffing on this a bit. We could really talk ultimately about the role of comedy and politics here in terms of the waste, you know, this kind of discharge that happens in terms of the politics of the United States. How is it that most people get their politics from late night TV shows, Saturday Night Live? Why is it coming through comedy here? And maybe we're on to something here about, you know, as you said, the, the, the waste is not really, you know, accounted for. And well, it's, it's not enough. Part. It's not wasteful yes, enough. Right, right, Maybe right. that's too efficient, of course. Right, right. You get your entertainment and your news together. Right, right. It's, well, uh, yeah. Absolutely. It's but, too efficient. But Yes, exactly. So, yeah. It's too yeah, efficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They never wake from the slumber of, you right. know. And another inspiration here, of course, is going to be Herbert Marcuse, who yeah. we're rereading uh, recently, you know, and uh, um, uh, very, very important in terms of what happens with the waste, right? Uh, it's never put to really productive use either, right? This is another another thing that he begins to speak about, you know, vis-a-vis the excess. So we have to, uh, you know, think about it, uh, this whole concept of repressive desublimation as we go forward. You know, how is it that we've come to this, you know, almost to the nth degree? How is it possible that we live in an era after the 60s, 70s, 70s sexual revolutions that we have a vice president of the United States who cannot be in a room with another woman unless his wife is present. You know, American how have we gotten to this? The American Taliban. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How have we gotten to this point? Well, yeah. I think, you know, the United States deserves... The, you know, yes. it gets the leadership it deserves. Yeah, and, well, you're you're for and, you know you're for New York City seceding from the union. I'm, I think it's I'm the for, only. I'm, it's for, the New, only I'm for New York, Vermont, and Quebec 
because you have resources that would come in. You want to have Quebec. your escape route. To yes, Quebec. yes, exactly. And, 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 you know, Quebec has a lot of water and natural resources that could be. Well, well we can uh, have a yeah. confederation. Of, confederation. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm actually, you know, speaking to people about this and Quebec yes. solidarity, you know, be solidarity, in solidarity with New York. I've, as you know, I've already month. come up with a questionnaire when people apply for mm. visas to come to. Oh, good. The yes. People's Republic, you know, people's, you know. Democracy the of People's New York Republic City. of New no, York. No, no, not Republic. Okay. No, the people. Yeah. Okay. The People's uh, democracy. democracy. Okay. Yes, because I know Amy Goodman on Democracy Now always gives a shout out to the People's Republic of Brooklyn. Yeah. 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 Well, but anyway. Well, yeah, Brooklyn. It's okay. Be part yeah, of it. Brooklyn yeah, will be bigger than Brooklyn. Part of it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I like we already have the questions, you know, yeah. because one of the questions is, have you played golf any time in the last five years? Yeah. Yeah. If you say yes, you'll be automatically rejected, right. you know, from right. getting your visa. You can be sent and, to and, South Carolina. And just imagine how many people, yeah. you know, we would get rid free, of yeah, right of course, away. Oh yeah, of course. And how much land? Let we them would go free to Florida with farmland. They can play golf instead all day. of golf courses. We have some decent farmland out on Long Island. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Although we have to say, golf is a very wasteful sport. So in that sense, you know, we're not completely one hundred percent against it, but it's it. It has been ideologically uh, yeah. taken a, a club and a ball, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah club yeah. and a ball, and a caddy too. Talk about you know, you know. Techniques, so it's not the techniques of it's new despite, It's it's so bad that it's despite the fact that it's wasteful that we are right opposed to it. Absolutely, yeah. So we have you know uh, in in this mix now you know and this is obviously a work in progress. Uh, this whole notion of prosperity Marxism, but obviously the, 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 some of the thinkers behind this, besides, of course, Marx, are the Epicurean tradition and how it played out in, in history. Uh, you know, uh, Thornston Veblen in terms of his theory of the leisure class and conspicuous consumption. Um, well, Veblen, uh, not in the yeah, sense yeah, that he's yeah, making right, arguments right. that we find valuable in terms of understanding, but that his documentation of of the capitalism of his day, in contrast to the present, shows things have gotten even worse. Much worse. Yeah, yeah. things have gotten much worse because at least in the time of, of Veblen, the point for the bourgeoisie was to spend it. Yeah, and to spend age. it in a yeah. very wasteful way, in a yeah. sense. Yes. And that would establish their yeah. status. Hence, you and, had writers like F. F. Scott Fitzgerald, the Jazz right. Age, yes. the Gilded Age, the 20s, right. the Roaring 20s. All of this, and, yeah, you know, yeah, and maybe yeah. in that sense, yeah. you know, but Ty could have get, given an example of that. Could have been one of his examples when he wrote about, you know, cultures part of that, that find a way to be wasteful yeah. and thus keep the society right. uh, 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 stable and move, moving along, right. rather than being too efficient and then things come crashing down. Right, you know, maybe it worked for a while, of course, but unfortunately, it no longer works. And now, the, of course, the point is to accumulate as much as possible, and not to waste it, not to spend it. Right. Which even uh, a, yeah. even a two percent tax, wealth tax, as Warren has has proposed, seems to be unthinkable and unbearably uh, burdensome. Uh, burdensome, you know, for the bourgeoisie. <laughs> you can imagine, yeah. yeah. Even though, you know, we can add here that two of the big uh, hits of the season in terms of cinema. Joker and Parasite, Parasite yes. both, both in a sense, I don't know if they're prophetic or not, but certainly we can point to the fact that there are two, you know, uh, very serious films today that people are flocking to that show the liberatory 
character of political violence. You know, in both cases, they the the uh, violence against the 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 bourgeoisie or the oppressors, you know, is seen as something that liberates people from their uh, slavish mindset. So maybe the two percent tax should be not so frightening to them. You know, maybe that there are more. You know, when the the prospective guillotines, you know, maybe are more. Mm-hmm. Should frighten them more than it, than than it well, does. Well, the third movie, and we can go back to this in another. Is that Motherless Brooklyn, in which you know the character played by Alec Baldwin, and he's got very good training for this, having played Trump on Saturday Night Live, plays Robert, Robert Moses, Moses. Yeah. and it's very interesting because he's cast as the the opposition, and you know another kind of symptom of what's going on in New York City. And the interesting thing about Motherless Brooklyn, in my 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 view, is that. Ed Norton has really updated a, a work of the ni- early 1990s when gentrification is just starting to take place in, in New York, you know, in a, in a major way and really shows it in its ugliest fashion in this in this film, you know, going forward. So, yeah, so you're right. I mean, there, there is this, there is this, uh, now this movement, if you will, of a kind of a reaction, you know, reactive populism that's, you know, right. a, a, a emerged. Yes. Uh, you know, against uh, uh, the last, you know, 50 years, if you will, right. of, of neoliberalism. And some of the more enlightened bourgeoisie, of course, see the rationality in terms of, give, you know, having some money that are taken from them in the form of taxes in order to make the system right. more sustainable, right. more right. viable in the long run. Right. Being a bit less efficient, but more... Right, uh, stable long term. Yeah, to my mind, this would also take a the turn of having to do a very good analysis of foundations and their role in basically social control over these kind of fashions. When you talk about a quote enlightened bourgeoisie, you know, yes. in a way, how these foundations and gifts start to work in the uh, in the society themselves, and whether it's really liberatory or not. Yeah, so um, I um. I think you know we we've you know kind of come to a good good point for our second podcast. We'll be back with another one. We'll certainly continue on the lines of the the conceptual basis of prosperity and Marxism. We started tonight to kind of flesh out of the three dimensions, and we'll you know continue with this. Uh, we also plan in the very near future to do an analysis of the current impeachment hearings and what this may forebode for the upcoming election. You know, maybe we'll do a... Yeah, I think our next that. podcast yeah. will be on Trumpism Trump and, and the yes. contemporary, right. of course, situation right. Right. surrounding... And we're planning to have many uh, guests. You know, we're going to be inviting people. We're, we'll probably move, hopefully, to the YouTube studios, uh, you know, to... to, to uh, and we're going to interview uh, Bezos, that's the idea? And maybe we'll interview yes, Jeff Bezos and ask him how he thinks about all this. Of course, he's going to tell us he's got a ship ready to go to Mars or to Venus or whatever, whatever his proclivity is. But yes, yeah. So, so thank you so much for listening. Uh, this is Michael Pelius with uh, Peter Bratzis for the Institute for Radical Imagination with our hopefully bi-weekly show in the future, Prosperity Marxism. Thank you very much for listening and viewing, and uh, see you soon. And feel free to comment, and we're very open to criticism. And this uh, is the, the show's mascot. Yes, and the show's mascot oh, is uh, Lucky from the Upper West Side. <laughs> 
Yes. So thank you so much for listening. There is a war between the rich and poor, a war between the man and the woman. There is a war between the ones who say there is a war and the ones who say that there isn't. Why don't you come on back to the war that's right, get in it. Why don't you come on back to the war, it's just beginning.